Hey, coaches, players, and parents, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show today, but I wanted to let you know about the video course I have available to purchase on CoachTube. This course titled Plan, Prepare, and Execute Your Skill Development Program is nine videos with nearly 60 minutes of content. It also includes a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and a PDF version of my notes used to teach this course. You get all this content for $12.95. That's right, $12.95. Plus, as a bonus for purchasing this course and downloading my book, The Skill Development Playbook, you also get access to my free five-day course with over three hours of video content that complements my book. Go to CoachTube.com and type my name, TJ Jones, in the search box, and my course will come up. So you get my plan, prepare, and execute your skill development course, which includes my notes I use to teach the course, a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and access to my free five-day course with over three hours of content that complements my book. So go to CoachTube today and get better. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Season six, episode number 10. Got a wonderful guest for y'all today. Today we have Benjamin Sanders, coach with the uh in the in the G League for the uh uh the Windy City Bulls. Uh coach, we appreciate you coming on today and 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 being able to get on here and drop some knowledge. Before we get into our conversation, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your uh your coaching background and how you ended up coaching at in at the uh, G League. Uh, yeah, TJ, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you having me. Um, so I, I kind of always knew I was going to coach when I was younger and, and I played division three ball in college, Southwestern university in Georgetown, Texas. Um, I obviously wasn't going to play professionally. I was an average D three player at best. So I tried to get started as, as early as I could. And I started coaching camps when I was in college. Um, all the, all the camps I could, uh, every division one school. And, and that's where I kind of got the, the coaching bug and knew, um, that I enjoyed, I enjoyed the teaching aspect of it. I enjoyed seeing players improve. So, um, once I got out of college, um, I actually took a year off, went and lived abroad. But when I came back, I dove in, uh, got my first job at Alfred university, which is a division three school in Western New York. Did that for two years, Rice university in in Houston for two years, um, was thankful to, to kind of start understanding the division one level, uh, while I was there, went on to university of New Mexico as a video coordinator for three years. Um, we got fired there and I, I started doing a lot of kind of introspection on, on where I really wanted my career to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I was frustrated that it was recruiting that was holding me back and not, my knowledge of the game if that makes any sense um so i um long story short i spent that entire summer networking and right place right time Mm -hmm. got me an invite to a camp which ended up being the right place right time got me to uh rio grande valley which is houston's g league team 
I uh, was down there for a year with an incredible staff. Uh, really learned a lot. The uh, off season after that, I spent entirely with John Lucas. Um, I was with John Lucas pretty much every day, five, six days a week. Um, and that was a tremendous learning experience. Uh, kind of made me rethink my uh, player development or skill development philosophy a little bit. Um, and then I went on to Chicago. I got on with Windy City my first year, kind of a video coordinator role. Uh, and then last year, after a, a full off season, um, basically as part of the Chicago staff, Jim Boylan was great and very inclusive and treated us like uh, full-time staff in the off season. Um, you know, I got to be on the the summer league staff, all that kind of stuff. So that was another a big learning opportunity for player development. Um, really enjoyed seeing how all those guys on that staff is, I thought, a great staff. Um, learned a lot from them. And so uh, that brings me to this last season where I was uh, I was an assistant uh, with Windy City and another great year of growth under a wonderful mentor. Uh, Damian Cotter was our head coach. Um, and he kind of helped me develop my coaching philosophy as well. So um, I've left a lot of names out over that journey, but really those those people that I worked for are the ones who kind of shaped, shaped me and my basketball philosophy. And uh, I took a little, little bit from everybody. And uh, I was blessed to work with the people I've worked with and the, for, the, for the coaches that I worked under. So um, – it's been a, it's been a fun journey. It feels, it's been 10 years now. Uh, it feels like it's been a lifetime. Yeah. Um, maybe because the last six months have felt like a lifetime <laughs> in and of themselves. Yeah, the last but, six months have felt about uh, 10 years. Yeah. But uh, no, nah, it's been, it's been good. I've enjoyed um, some steps more than others, but I'm thankful for, for every one of those steps. Man. So I'm really interested. I, I was excited to be able to, uh, that we were able to connect uh, and, and be able to do this because with you doing camps and, and I know, so that means you're going to, you have worked with kids and youth players and now you're at one of the highest levels or the highest level at, with the G league and working with players in the NBA. So there's going to be some similarities and of course there are going to be some differences. So I'm really intrigued in getting your, your thoughts and your input and, and uh, kind of diving into that. So uh, the first question I have for you is, what is your own definition of skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball? Um, so I, I kind of had, it's interesting trying to formulate that, uh, <laughs> that definition and really articulate it. Um, I think a lot of times we just throw out player development, right? We just use the term player development. I think that's a little more all encompassing, right? That includes your strength and conditioning, your nutrition, your sleep habits, your mental health. Mental health is a big one, right? Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff, right? And if you take care of that stuff off the floor, then it's going to help you in your skill development when you're on the floor. So um, skill development to me is more, what are you doing on the floor to improve your game? Right. Um, I think you could take that even further. And this is where my time with John Lucas has kind of um, maybe reshaped what I how I define skill, skill development. Um, 
I think it's important. I think you can differentiate between skill acquisition and skill development, right? When you're a young kid, you're working with young kids. It's, it's about skill acquisition. It's Mm -hmm. stationary ball handling, learning your right hand, left hand, your crossovers, right? Uh, Maybe it's, it's two balls. It's, it's uh, learning proper form shooting, right? Um, You have to learn how to shoot a layup when you're, when you're a real young kid. So it's, it's little stuff like that. Um, And then as you get older, you're still always going to have some skill acquisition. Your best players are the ones who are always adding a new skill to their game. Right. Um, But then the development, the skill development side of that is using it in the proper basketball context, right? It's playing, it's competing. It's that kind of thing. Um, It doesn't matter if I can, um, doesn't matter if I have a great pull-up jumper, if I can't make it when somebody's guarding me, right? It doesn't matter if I've got a good handle when there's no defense on the floor, right? So that's where the development is more kind of like, using those skills under duress. And that I think is a big part of, um, of John Lucas's approach is, uh, especially with working with young, talented high school and college players, mm-hmm. um, guys who uh, are skilled for their level, but are trying to go to the next level, right? It's mm-hmm. throw them out there with some dogs who are gonna, who are gonna guard them and press them and, and make it much more difficult because that's when the game, I should say when the game is sped up is when you start to see if your skills hold up and what needs to be developed uh, further and all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of take it um, maybe that, that one step further is development. Your skill development is, is improving those skills under duress. Yeah. We, we seen a lot of, coaches and trainers work with players and and players now I think it's easy to say that they're way more skilled than ever right you know we're seeing players that's in third fourth grade being taught skills that you know some middle school junior high high school kids are able to do um kids are much much more skilled but that the way you put it that skill acquisition versus skill development I've never heard of it in, in quite that sense but that makes that makes a lot of sense because we see players gain a lot of skill, but they're not actually understanding how or when to apply those skills. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of times players are, are actually missing that development. And I've even told players this before. Um, if you can stand in the corner or, or shoot by yourself, or if I'm making passes to you and you're able to make shots, and you will see some improvement, but it could also be a false sense of improvement because yeah. no one's guarding you. You yeah. know, so if you're hitting the ball by yourself, one ball, two balls, stationary on the move through cones, that's, that could be a false sense of improvement because no one is pressuring you. So mm-hmm. we, we have to really make sure and look at those skills and how we're adding those skills and then being able to apply those uh, in, a, in a certain situation. So um, let's talk about your philosophy. So you, I, 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 I kind of know what your philosophy is based off your, your definition there, but are you a, just give me a ball and a, 
and a hoop kind of guy? Do you like to use different types of equipment? Do you do you see there's a place for that? Kind of what's your approach or your philosophy when it comes to to doing skill development, whether you're working with an individual or with or within a team setting? Um, so I think it you got to work with what you got, right? Um, if you have some, you know, I, I'm not a big cones guy. Like I don't I don't need cones to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, if if I do have them, I'll throw them out and just as a marker for where the screen might be, right? Or um, or something like that. Right. But, um, you know, if you have the big kind of dummies, right. The big padded ones that are like five feet, six feet tall or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I've had it a couple stops. I think those are great for that being your screener. If you're working with ball handlers or whatever. Right. Um, so I think, I think there is, um, some benefits of using, uh, some tools that you have, uh, I, especially when doing ball handling will incorporate maybe a little bit more. Um, sometimes a tennis ball, not a ton. A lot of times I'll just use an extra basketball. Um, one of my favorite things to do ball handling is to, um, have a second ball ready to throw at them. So, um, a lot of times it can be just them, uh, a touch pass right back to you cross, cross touch pass. Right. And you're throwing it to them and timing it to the point where that cross is now a little bit under duress because it's got to be quick and smooth for them to get that ball back to you. Right. So when we are playing the game of basketball, we don't want guys thinking about their handle ever. So if you can occupy their mind while they're working on their ball handling, so it becomes second nature, that's kind of my rationale for that. Right. Um, I'm, Aside from that, uh, I'm big on having pads and, and whatnot so uh, that you can contest uh, finishes and whatnot without risking anybody getting hurt. You know, yeah. um, I think uh, I would agree with Cody Toppert's um, saying, and, and you might hear me quote Cody Toppert quite a bit. He's a good friend of mine. I think he's a great player development guy, and he's kind of helped me shape my philosophy a little bit. Uh, but he always says bones over cones, right? And that means – he wants bodies, human bodies out there, uh, whether it's us as coaches or um, at the college level, if you got managers or um, in the G League, sometimes we have volunteers, right? But I myself would rather get out there and play some defense. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not going to lock these dudes up. These are pros. Right. Um, but it gives them a more realistic look. Um, and eventually, I can start throwing different coverages or or to guard them a little differently that's going to force them to be uncomfortable right um we we have to make sure our players are are comfortable being uncomfortable so that's kind of where um i think it's really important for us to be out there um it's interesting when i was coaching at the college level all the coaches would be out there and you'd see some coaches just kind of uh rocking their their tennis shoes in practice and yeah. um, standing on the side. And, and sometimes that's okay. That may be all your head coach allows you to do. Right. It, it, and it doesn't matter what pair of shoes you have. Right. But I would rather be that coach who's got, I've got my, my hoop shoes on every single day, ready to go. I'm getting loose a little bit when the players are getting loose. Cause I'm older. I got terrible knees. I got to take care of myself. <laughs> right. But get loose with those guys uh, so that if I got to jump in a drill and start guarding people, right, then we right. can do that. And 
uh, I can tell you that's a big part of what I've done at every stop I've been at at the professional level is the coaches are on the floor. They're playing defense. They're giving different looks. Um, and I think that's that's so important. Um, and then kind of my my saying or my phrase that I uh, use for my philosophy is is purpose, plan, play. Um, and this is something I've kind of been workshopping recently as I try to get it down on paper this offseason with a little extra free time. But um, the purpose, for example, is it's your big picture. When we are working with this player, are we addressing the needs of the player and the needs of the team, right? So that's a big one in the G League is uh, we really focus on um, on player development in the league. Like player development is really kind of above winning in the G League. I don't know many leagues that that's true, but it's true with us. Um, and so are we addressing what – if I'm in Windy City, am I addressing what the Chicago Bulls want, right? right? Are we teaching this guy how to play in a system that benefits the Chicago Bulls? Mm-hmm. Um, that that has to be first and foremost, right? Um, am I giving this player the tools that are going to help them both short-term in this setting and long-term long after they leave us, right? We, we only got year-to-year contracts in the G League, so there's a little bit of wrestling with what helps us win now because winning helps everybody, right? Winning is kind of the tide that raises all ships. Um, So you have to balance like what helps us win now to help everybody. And at the same time, what's going to help this player long-term, whether it's in the NBA, whether it's Euro league, any league overseas, right? We want to lead these players careers in a better place than we found them. Right. Right. So uh, purpose is, is what is your, what is your big, uh, long-term purpose and goals um you know it can be stuff like uh improved decision making it can be make sure you include that right um i love uh speaking of cody topper again he, he talks about the four stages of habit building i'm big on building habits i want guys to um when they step on the floor are you working on it enough where it becomes second nature right are you eliminating the bad habits so that when things get tough, they're not falling back on, on making the wrong plays or, or, um, you know, kind of playing out of desperation. Right. So Cody talks about the four stages of habit building. It's unconsciously skilled moving on to consciously unskilled, right? Now, you know uh, what it is you need to work on consciously working. uh, We're improving. We're getting better at it. Right. That's, that can be a long arduous process. Right. Uh, and then unconsciously skilled is, is the ultimate goal where I don't have to think about it. I'm just reacting and I'm skilled enough to react in a lot of different ways. Um, now, the plan part of my uh, purpose plan play is more about specific workouts. Uh, I, li- I like to walk into the gym every day with a written plan and I just tuck it in my waistband or if I got pockets in my shorts, um, have a plan. And you don't always have to stick to that plan. But man, you can lose your guys real quick if you're uh uh here shoot a shoot a few free throws while you're like trying to think of the next drill. Like that's not a good look, and you can you can get disengaged real quick once you shoot too many free throws in a row. So it's about having a plan. How now in this plan every day, how am I addressing our purpose, right? Um, and now you can there's wiggle room in that plan each day. Um, I think that plan has to always include, uh, some kind of ball handling passing, right. 
and some kind of shooting. Uh, I think it's got to be every single day on that stuff. And I also think uh, collectively um, as a coaching community, we, we need to include more defense in our, um, yeah. in our player development or skill development as well. Right. Um, I think it's important to have drills that incorporate multiple things at once. Right. Are we, you're not going to just sit there and work on passing. Right. I would rather pass, uh, come off of a screen, pass, reshape for a shot or come off of a screen and pass. You get a second ball to go finish, go reshape for a shot. Right. And that goes back to the habits. We don't want to get in the habit of giving up a pass and standing and watching and see what the next guy does. Right. No <laughs> offense, no offense is going to function at a high level if you do that. So you want make that pass reshape. Uh, so we, we say reshape or, um, or respace. I like reshape the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you're reshaping to get the spacing that you need. Um, so build those habits in your player development. Um, that's, that's such a big part is how every team spaces the floor. Why not throw that in there where, we're not spending five minutes working on reshaping the floor. Right. Right. But because we added that layer into the drill, now we're, we're covering that over, over long term. Right. And then the last, uh, last component of uh, purpose plan play, obviously play is um, it's, it's decision-making and competition, right? Um, nobody gets to just catch the ball and go to the rim every single time. You got to read your closeouts uh is do they have a hand up right all that kind of stuff um if you got multiple players in your in your workout uh let's get them competing against each other and let's have something riding on every shot um it can be little goals uh it can be all right you got to make three in a row it could be you got to make eight out of ten it could be you have to make ten but you can't miss two in a row um all kinds of stuff like that right and and you're better shooters, you you can really press them with that that tough stuff, right? Your lesser shooters, maybe you gotta reel the reins in and <laughs> be realistic with them in the meantime, right? But yeah. um, you know, I know some coaches like to actually sit down and chart the results on stuff every time. I think that can be real positive. I think also if you know your guys and you're spending a lot of time with your guys over a long stretch, you can see the progress. Yeah whether you're charting it and writing it down every day, a lot of times you can see the progress and you know, Oh man, I I used to struggle to get six out of 10. Now I'm getting, now I'm usually getting seven out of 10 easy, eight out of 10 part of the time, you know, like you can see that progress. So I think it's good to um, give them goals. Uh, You know, I, I love if I've got two or three guys on the floor, it's um, giving them, okay, first to, first to five at this spot or first to three doubles. So I, I use the term doubles a lot. And it's because when I do anything with uh, movement shooting, so say it's a shake up out of the corner, I always do a spot shot after that. So you get two in a row. So it's shake up on the first one, catch and shoot. Second one is just a spot shot. All right. If I'm sliding or sprinting to the corner, I'm hitting them on the first ones on the move. Second one's a spot shot. So I'll, I'll say first of three doubles where you, a double is you got to make both of the shots in a row. Sure. Um, so I do all kinds of competition like that. Uh, you know, once you get to the off season, your competition, you can step up and actually start playing some real one-on-one, two-on-two, small-sided games, all that kind of stuff. But um, 
we're we're not trying to get good at working out. We're trying to get good at playing the game of basketball. So you got to play. That's right. Yep. We don't we don't want players to to become robotic. Um, um, we want players to, to get really good at the skill, but being able to apply those skills in the game. And you said a lot of things, man, that, that I really want to kind of spend some time on. Mm -hmm. um, talking about your purpose, plan, and play. So we have a lot of different people listen to this to this podcast, and they coach on all different levels. So let's let's dive in a little bit to the plan. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a high school coach, and I know this is something that a lot of coaches struggle with, team coach, good coach teams, not necessarily skills training, but coach coach teams. Um, you have your players and you have your system, right? You have your players, you have your system, but you also, you want your players to improve as an individual. And I know that we have, we had kind of talked about this before, um, but trying to, trying to figure out how do I make my players better as an individual, but then also at the same time, make it where they can fit in my system. Um, not so much saying, okay, you're just a, uh, all I want you to do is spot up in the corner and play defense. That's, that's your role. But at the same time, you know, we want to add some skills to that. So far as with a high school or even a small college, what approach do you think they should take when they're trying to come up with a plan with, with their players and trying to develop them and also get them ready for, for their role within their team? Is there anything that y'all kind of do at the G League level to help with that? So, so, so much of what we do at the, at the G League and the NBA level is, is before and after practice, right? There's, you're, you're always getting your reps in. So some guys would do their before, some would do after, some would do both depending on how uh, each coach like to do it with their kind of smaller group, right? So I think that's big is like, don't be the basketball coach that shows up. If, if practice at three o'clock, don't walk in the gym at three o'clock and right. just start the team workout go rebound for your guys go pass for your guys in advance um be available be invested in that in that kind of stuff they'll see it they'll notice it and it it shows that you're invested in their improvement right um but once you get into practice i think it's important to have um some some skill development segments right um whether it's stations right you're working with Maybe it's a certain cut in your offense. Maybe it's a certain ball screen in your offense, right? Um, maybe it's guards on one end of the floor, bigs on the other end of the floor. Um, maybe another day you put you combine your guards and your bigs so that they're working on their lob passes or they're hitting the roller, their pocket pass, right? Um, I think you can take small components of your offense, mm -hmm. whether it's two on O, three on O, to teach at the beginning, right? Yeah. You kind of script it. You show them this is one particular read. The next time, all right, everybody go through and, through and does this, right? Next time you throw the defense on the floor, your coaches, dummy defense, right? You make them choose one or the other. And then eventually you get to a small side of the game, you're three on three and you're playing, right? But it, it can be just one little part of your offense, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're getting two or three shots out of it. So – uh ball handler comes off the the screen pocket pass the big big goes finish it that guard goes reshapes for a shot that's two guys two on oh two shots right next you add another element where 
I hit the pocket. I'm the ball handler coming off the screen. I hit the pocket. He has a pocket extra, hits the guy opposite corner, opposite wing, wherever, right? All of a sudden, he gets a second. The roller gets a second ball. Your ball handler had reshaped, and he, and then all of a sudden, you're getting three shots, right? So um, I think that's big on getting everybody a shot, mm-hmm. all right? Go get your own rebounds. Go to the back. Rotate your lines, whatever the case may be. Um, and you might tell somebody, say you got a five-man who's – predominantly a five but you want to expand his game maybe yeah maybe you say all right for every two roles you get one uh where you're the spot up shooter in the corner mm. right or maybe you got a, a wing who's not a t- playing a ton in pick and roll and you say all right i want for every three times that you're um getting a skip pass and attack in the rim i want you to have one rep right so there's still able to expand something but you're also prioritizing their role a little bit right yeah um i think in season you should really be prioritizing your role keeping those guys uh excelling in their role within your offense Um, and i think in off season you can try and expand their role a little bit more and maybe um expand their game a bit i also think the way basketball is going right we got PJ Tucker and Draymond Green playing the five in the NBA. You got to be able to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Everybody's got to be able to shoot. Everybody's got to be able to pass. Everybody's got to at least give me two good dribbles to the rim, right? Yeah. Get to the paint, right? Even if it's just a rip and a go to maintain an advantage, attack a bad closeout. You got to be able to do do all those things, right? Um, where in, in positionless basketball, you there's not a lot of guys who can just sit in one role. Right. Um, sure. um, just like you said, the two dribbles, that is something I've really been focusing on lately. Um, it's the two dribbles, even off the dribble. They dribble down, you get into a certain area. Can you go hard two dribbles and get to the rim? Can you go hard two dribbles, get into a pull-up? Um, so that is something I've really been focusing on with their, with their balance and, and body and ball control. So that's that's actually something that um, I take I take from my my days in RGV. We we were big on that, um, and so it's now a big part of my um, player development. Is if you if you're gonna play without the ball, you've got to be able to maintain an advantage, right? Yeah. So we there's certain players on the floor who can create an advantage. All right. The the best players can create an advantage with no ball screen, nothing. Yep. Right. Then you've got your guys who can create an advantage out of pick and roll. Right. And they, that's where your possession starts is create an advantage from that point forward. Everything is maintain the advantage. Yeah. Um, so I had, I worked with the wings this year, primarily in windy city. We, we moved around we, a little bit. I wasn't with them all the time, but um that was kind of who I spent the most of my time with and um when you got guys playing on the wing pretty good three-point shooters um solid drivers right Mm -hmm. these guys gotta say hey look last thing I can do is catch and hold that thing right I'm either getting it up quick I'm moving it to the next guy or I'm attacking a closeout Mm -hmm. so Every single day, I got them in the in the habit of catch and put that thing on the floor. Go somewhere with your first dribble, mm-hmm. get to the paint, 
I want you finishing off a of one foot. I want, I want good one foot finishers. All right. And there's, there can be exceptions to that. You Jimmy Butler's of the world who are great off two feet in the paint. Right. Yeah. But I want guys finishing off one foot. It's quicker. Uh, maximize your athleticism. Right. Uh, but I also want guys who, when they get to the paint, how do they create their angle? Right. Are we Euro stepping? Do we have a spin move to get there? Um, Changing you know, speed. We, all kinds of finishes, your long layups, right. Finishing over the top of somebody. Um, I'm not much of a floater guy. I really don't. The very few guys I will actually spend time working on a floater with. Um, but uh, being able to maintain that advantage and use that advantage. Uh, why can't that improve your game drastically? So I talk to these guys and I'm like, man, we work on this every day. I say, you damn right we do. And here's why. Okay. Yeah. Here's why. When is your advantage biggest? As soon as you catch on the floor, as soon as you catch it, right? Yeah. That's when your defender is off balance, out of place. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's take advantage of that. Why can't we get two to four extra points or one to two extra assists a game by getting really good at this? Mm-hmm. Right. If you're averaging eight points a game in the G League and you get really good at this, and now you're averaging 12 points a game in the G League. That can make that could be the difference in a lot of money when you go overseas. Yeah. Right. Or it could be NBA call up. Yep. Right. So um, I think that's an underworked on skill and it's something I try and hit every single day. And I don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, I kind of have my spots, whether uh, corner and wing on both sides, I try to hit every one every single day. Um, and two to three finishes on each one. Um, and then the next day, same exact drill, but I might change up my finishes or my passes out of it. Right. Um, but when, when I say, hey, 0.5 finishing, my guys know what I'm talking about. Um, and, and I saw some progress with that um, throughout the course of the year. Um, and so uh, an, another one that I think I'm, I'm starting to incorporate more and more is uh, attacking off the DHOs, whether yeah. it's. Uh, coming out of the corner, uh, like in delay, you know, um, or off of a, a split of some kind, right? Um, DHOs are a big part of the game. Yep. It's a really big part of the game. They're really hard to guard. So if you know how to play off of a DHO, that's a, so that's another one that I've tried to hit more and more every single day. I think it's, it's um, again, that's another one where your, your advantage right off the bat is best right when you get that DHO. Um, so, uh, those are those are two skills that I work, I try to work on every single day. It might only be five minutes. Some days we might go ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I might put a put a defender out there where they got to read their clothes out. I might put a defender at the rim who's giving them some contact, and you got to read at the rim, right? Um, I, I think there's a lot of ways that that it can benefit you, but it's got to be a part of everybody's game. Yeah. Attacking bad closeouts has to be part of everybody's game. I think. So all the coaches that's listening, a uh, couple of things that uh, uh, Coach Sanders has mentioned that I think is really important when it comes to his plan. Number one, he said he has a couple of things that he does or he really likes to do or include in his session. So you mentioned ball handling. Uh, you talked about that a little bit, doing it different ways, um, shooting, of course, um, and, and, and also the, the attacking closeouts. 
Now, everybody's, I guess you can say daily vitamins as some coaches like to call them or, or their, their foundational skills or whatever it is you want to call them um, could be completely different. But I think that's a good thing to start with. Like, what is it that's important to you and your program? What is important? What are some important skills that you feel like your players need to have? Um, and it could be anywhere from two to three or four skills, whatever it may be. And you want to try to hit those every time you get in the gym. So whatever is a, a, a good foundation for you, if you think it's, uh, if it's ball handling, if it's shooting, if it's uh, coming off of pick and rolls, or if it's DHOs, or if it's pin downs, whatever, you want to try to hit those every single time that you have, uh, you do skill development with your, with your team. The other thing that you mentioned was mixing in skills when it comes to the team concept or we're doing a team practice mm -hmm. um, skill segments, which is really big because a lot of coaches sometimes feel like they don't have time to mix in skill development during the season. But like you said, small minutes, you know, two, three, four, five minutes, two or three segments throughout practice um, is really good to, uh, to do that. Um, so those are, so if you've been listening, you should have a bunch of notes <laughs> right now because you really gave you some, some good information on that. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between working with youth players and, and professional players. And when, I, when, and when I'm asking you this, I'm not necessarily talking about their skill level, but their approach. Mm -hmm. uh, we know it takes a special player talent-wise to play at the G level or play overseas at a high level or even make it to the NBA. Um, a lot of these young players see, you know, James Harden on Instagram shooting shots or LeBron James working out or any of these other players working out, but they don't understand their mental approach to it. Um, talk a little bit about how your players at the G League or even at the NBA level, their approach and how they take ownership uh, on their or how they take ownership towards their development when it comes to uh, trying to get better. Um, so I think I think one of the the biggest driving factors is like these guys are obsessed with getting better. There's a lot of pride, right? Um, they, we're working with big egos, um, and and some of these guys are are pretty good in a team setting of putting their ego aside and doing what's best for the team. There's a lot of guys that are great at that. Uh, but in an individual setting, they're, man, I'm getting better. I want to get better every single day. So a lot of these guys, they wake up and they know there's one thing I have to do today and it's get better at basketball, right? Mm -hmm. And they have that approach. Um, I know we're, we're sitting here focused on skill development on the floor, but these guys know that, player development everything off the form affects what you do on the floor yep. your body your body is your biggest tool right what are you doing to take care of your body are you doing your strength and conditioning are you in the trainer doing your preventative stuff beforehand and after right are you um are you eating right are you sleeping right sleep is a is a big one that we just don't talk about enough right and we in windy city this year we brought in um a sleep specialist to, to talk about that kind of stuff. And, um, I, I like to, I'm a big podcast guy. I, that's how I do a lot of learning outside of the basketball world and try and 
be a well-rounded guy is to listen to podcasts while I'm driving or cooking or whatever. Right. And I listened to one that said, uh, going from eight hours to six hours of sleep, cut your testosterone. I think it's said in half. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, uh, that, I mean, double check me on that and do your, but this was a, this was a Ted talk I was listening to and it was like, cuts it in about half. Right. And testosterone is obviously something very, important in, in physical performance right yeah uh, the most maybe the most important thing is um it cuts your cognitive abilities down it your ability to learn right and that affects everything so sleep is a big one right so that's one thing that uh, a lot of these pros are great at the ones who really extend their careers you see these guys come in they're like no nah, i got a routine i gotta work on this this and this and our job as a coach is like all right cool your routine um, I might try and tweak it a little bit. I might try and add this or that. Right. Um, uh, but these guys have their, I show up at this time. I lift at this time. I'm on the floor this time. They know that, um, these, these reps gotta be game speed reps. They gotta get it just right. So having that routine, uh, helps quite a bit. It makes it, um, it makes it easier to get in there and know exactly what you're doing um prioritizing like knowing that I have to get better at basketball every single day that kind of helps where you might wake up some days and like man it's not your day yeah but you got to be willing to work when it's not your day you got to be willing to work when you don't feel like working and I think that's the greatest separator for a lot of these guys that's how they've gotten to where they get is they're willing to work when they don't feel great when they're not feeling 100 percent uh these guys when they get hurt they obsess about getting getting recovered and getting back on the floor. Right. Um, there's just this professionalism to, to everything they do. Are you behaving like a professional? Are you putting this above? Are you making sacrifices for it? These guys make sacrifices like crazy, right? Um, they give up nights at the club on a Friday night, right? Um, they give up, um, playing video games till 3am. Maybe they play until, midnight instead right so um now different guys have different talent levels right some guys their talents here so they got to sacrifice this other guys their talents here and they got to sacrifice this right so uh, but that's that's the biggest thing is their professionalism their approach they're showing up every day uh these guys watch film they they learn the game um i think the guys who really excel at the professional level are the guys who learned how to learn in other words, they pick things up quick, right? Uh, we've all got different learning styles. I think it's important to know uh, where your players fit, like what their learning styles are, right? Um, some guys can't just can't watch the team execute a 5 on set and then run out there and do it. They just – they don't have it, right? But are you the guy that is going to wait around and screw it up tomorrow? Or are you the guy that's like, hey, coach, can we can we get a few managers and like run through these after practice, right? If you re- if you realize like, coach, I need the extra reps. Can I get can I get a few extra reps? A coach is gonna be much less likely to get mad at you for screwing up the play the next time, right? If you came to him, asked questions, and and took the necessary steps to show that you're trying to learn, right? Um, so I think I'm I'm rambling a bit, but. Um, the, the guys who really excel at this level, they know the game. And it's because they've learned how to learn it. 
Yeah, no, no, that's some that was some great stuff. We were talking about, you know, your mental approach, taking ownership for your development. And that's something that players have to learn. And I've been talking with a couple of high school players recently about routines, you know, establishing a routine when they go to the gym. Uh, one particular player, um, their coach wants them to make 53s and 50 free throws before practice. But she's been struggling with her shot. And I said, you can't come in the gym and do 10 shots of form shooting and then jump to threes and expect to make your 53s. Mm -hmm. I said, so you got to take a little bit more time to work up to your three. So you need to come up with a routine. And she's actually doing virtual school. So she gets she gets to practice a little bit sooner or earlier than some of the other players. So I said, take advantage of that time and develop a routine. And so we kind of talked about that. But it's it's huge for players to develop a routine every time they step onto the court, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes. 15 minutes, whatever it may be, uh, coming up with a routine. But then you talk about the mindset and their approach, just how they approach it, being professional, being early, you know, putting in the time, being dedicated, um, and being consistent is what's important too, being consistent with your routine. So, and then you talked about learn how to, they, they learned how to learn. Um, that's, that's huge too. So um, those are all really great. Great, great tidbits. Um, so a couple more things, and I'm going to let you go. I think the next thing I want to talk about is relationships. Now, development is, is great, but I know from a, from a player, from being a private coach, um, I don't get the opportunity to, to work with kids on a, on a daily basis, but I know how important it is to establish those relationships. So talk about how important it is for you being on staff and working with players consistently on a daily basis, how important it is for y'all to have a relationship, which will build some trust, which will then eventually have them buy into what it is that you're teaching them or telling them or, or trying to get them to, to learn. So uh, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying relationships are, are probably the most important aspect of of all this stuff right like um the coaches who find success are not the ones who can drop any single play or um can run any single drill know every single drill off the top of your head right um we all kind of know those things at a high enough level to to help right the guys who succeed as coaches are the ones who know how to teach you know, know how to effectively communicate and know how to build relationships, right? If you're trying to teach effectively or effectively communicate, you need to know your audience. You need to know what they respond to. You need to know uh, what messages they respond to, what deliveries they respond to, what methods of, of coaching, right? Some guys are great with film and some guys like, aren't right they just don't see it the same way right watching film takes practice just like anything else really um you know there's so there's there's four kind of main styles of learning uh i learned this recently uh it's called the vark model uh v-a-r-k uh it stands for visual auditory reading and writing and then kinesthetic right so visual seeing stuff um whether it's a drawing whether it's 
seeing demonstrations on the floor maybe it's film right auditory do they do um explanations help right do they are they good with uh verbal cues um reading and writing is pretty self-explanatory it's it's maybe less a little less applicable in the in the sports world there's just less of it right um and then kinesthetic is like it's just doing it it's getting reps it's getting physical reps being out there on the floor and participating in it um so you got to know especially at a young age if you're working with young kids you got to know which one of those work for your kid right um and and you might have to to tweak some of that right um i've i've had a couple of players who are pretty talented guys, but, but maybe not, um, the best learners. Maybe they just doesn't really fit. Right. Like I said, certain guys can't watch the group in front of them run a play without screwing it up. Right. Um, maybe what's more effective for them is, um, to describe or narrate the play as it's happening. And if they, maybe they're doing it in their head, maybe they're kind of whispering it. Maybe they're talking to the coach. Like sometimes you got to grab a kid, put your arm around him and say, all right, tell me what's happening. And that might be more effective than them just sitting there by themselves watching it. Um, so I think knowing their learning style comes from knowing them. It comes from being around them, spending time with them, getting feedback from them, listening to them, you know? Um, and I think a lot of times you're going to get that feedback from them if they feel safe being vulnerable. Right. If you can be vulnerable, if your office, your gym, your locker room, if those are safe places for people to be vulnerable, then they're willing to say, coach, I didn't understand that. Can you explain it? Mm-hmm. And if a co- if a player ever says that to me, I feel good. I feel good that my player is confident in speaking up and asking questions. I would much rather him do that than walk out there and not execute the game plan 30 minutes later, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, if a player is getting frustrated in the middle of a individual workout, he says, I, I'm not getting this. Can we spend more time on it? Cool. If he says, Hey, I just, I, you know, I need to slow down and walk through this. Right. Uh, can I, can we just walk through it? Absolutely. Like, right. And they they may not say that if they feel like you're going to jump on them for it or judge them for it. Um, I think they really benefit from building those relationships. So I, I love the relationship aspect of it. Um, again, you gotta, you gotta keep it professional, right? Like these aren't your best friends. You're not gonna, uh, you're not gonna send them goofy memes on Instagram and you're not gonna, uh, go to the bar and have a beer with them. Right. right. But, um, uh, you can sit down and, Hey man, how's your family? Yeah. yeah. Right. How, um, I know you got kids. How are your kids? Um, Hey, you said you were moving soon. Did you get in that new place? Little stuff like that helps, right? And so I think the best place for building relationships with players is uh, kind of before and after workouts. Mm-hmm. While they're sitting there lacing up their shoes, ask them how they're doing. Ask them how the day was. How are they feeling? Like um, sometimes being able to read their body language and knowing how their day was prior to the workout knows how hard you can push them, right? Mm-hmm. If a guy walks in and like, man, I'm feeling great. I slept in today. I got, I got a great breakfast. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm like, all right, I'm pushing this dude today. If he comes in and he's just kind of lethargic and you hear him maybe sniffling a bunch and you can tell like maybe he's got a head cold or um, maybe, you know, he's got some stressors in his, in, in his life. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think it's important to know their girlfriends, but if they have a girlfriend, it's good to know. Yeah. If you yeah. don't see, if you don't see their girlfriend for a little while, like maybe they went through a breakup. We're all human. You're allowed to struggle when that happens. Yeah. Maybe you approach your workout a little differently that day, right? Maybe you give him a little more encouragement. Yeah. Um, I think it's it knowing that they're invested, that you're invested in their success. Um, you can get on them harder. You can coach them harder, right? Um, I think sometimes uh, they will give you permission to coach them hard if you uh, have have invested in in building that relationship. Uh, I told I told multiple guys this year on our team, um, and and I hope they all believe that our staff felt this way. Um, but I said your your successes are my successes, and your failures are my failures. And that's not because like, hey, I'm sticking my reputation on you type of thing. Right. It's more, man. I just want so bad for you to succeed. That when you do, I I get great joy out of it. And when you don't, it kind of hurts, man. Like it bums me out. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that does um, make it a lot easier to say, hey, man. The the next time when he's when he's bsing, I can say, hey, man, that ain't good enough. Your effort ain't where it needs to be today. Yep. And um, maybe they come at you right. I th- we're all grown men. Sometimes we uh, we get at each other a little bit. Grown men, grown women. Um, we can go at each other a little bit, but if you put in that, that time to build that relationship, you can go at each other. And then five minutes later, you're good. And you're back to, to work it. Right. So the last thing I want to get into, and you, you've mentioned this a couple of times through the interview, but we, we haven't really dove in on it and that's using film for development. Um, film doesn't lie. You know, you can point out a player's flaws. You can show them what they're doing really well. Um, we, we are starting to see more and more film used for development uh, for the individual player. You know, 10, 12 years ago, you wouldn't really hear it as much, uh, just really just more from a team setting. But from an individual standpoint, um, how do you like to use film or how is film used to help the players on the individual level get better um, with the uh, with the G League or even in the NBA. Um, so I think film is an everyday thing. Like it's it's just it's what we do as coaches, right? Uh-huh. Um, I I just got on the phone the other day with the with the huddle people because I need it. I have to have access to it. Right. And they're like, yeah, we get you. We understand like you have to. So um, it's, it's one of the things you just, you got to have, like you got to. Um, right. So um, being good at the technical side of film, can I break it down? Do I know how to work the software? That's great. And that helped me get to where I am now. I have a video background. Now, once you uh, are actually talking to players, you got to be you got to be good on picking the right clips, right? What do you want to show them? How are you going to communicate? Your communication is still really important. So, I personally, uh, I'll just give you my process throughout the season. Um, after every game, uh, I watch 
our our game from the night before. Uh, sometimes I watch first half that night and next half first thing in the morning, however I'm feeling, right? Sometimes you can't sleep. You just watch the whole game. Uh, and I'm making all kinds of notes as I go. Um, we we split it up where I, I was assigned four players. Each assistant was assigned four players that we would um, – that we were responsible for showing their film to. And every now and then we'd kind of switch up who was with who. Head coach may jump in every now and then be like, you know what, I'm going to take so-and-so's this time, um, that type of stuff, right? So, um, and then the next day, um, and, and this is somewhere I got to I gotta get better at myself. Sometimes I'd wait till kind of the next game day and I'd show them a bit maybe before the game on things that they can be focused on that game, right? I think it's actually a better approach show them two or three clips one day before practice the next day show them three or four clips of this and that. Right. But, um, I think it's better to, uh, keep them, keep them short film sessions. You know, uh, you can usually get your point across with five to six clips at most. Um, sometimes you may have a longer one, usually not in an individual setting. Right. Um, but attention spans are always short and, um, if you are going to have more clips, I would still use those clips on a, on a narrower range of topics. So maybe you got four or five of like, Hey, we got to do better at this and we got to do better at this, but you give four or five examples of each one. Maybe you have one or two examples of it being bad and then three, four examples of it being good. Right. I always think there has to be positive examples and anything you do, um, I, I want guys to leave a film session seeing some positive and not thinking like, man, we just got crushed for the last 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think um, when I watch film with individuals, sometimes I'll say, look, I pulled some clips and put some notes on it. You watch it on your own. I don't do that all the time, but sometimes I'll do that. Let them just watch it on their own. Sometimes they don't want to hear my perspective on it but they can see it for themselves. Right. Um, uh, sometimes, uh, I'd say the most frequent way I do it is I hand them the computer. They know how the controls work, fast forward, rewind, all that kind of stuff and let them control it. Let the, let it, the computer sit in their lap. Right. Um, and then have a dialogue with them. What, what are you seeing here? What was it? What was your thought process here? Cause you may have a criticism, Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you hear what they thought, you're like, oh, you know what? That's actually a pretty good thought. Uh, it didn't really work out that way. Maybe here's why type of thing. But understanding their perspective is important. Um, you know, these guys, they're the ones out there doing it, right? Um, I think individual stuff, especially in the off season, um, I've heard you say it before. We're all carrying a, a camera in our pocket. Yeah. Like – if you see a player who's uh, maybe their shot mechanics are, are struggling uh, or their footwork is off a little bit, go take a video of a few reps, show it to them and then get back to it. Right. Or if you're videoing and they do it really, really well, um, show them the example of them doing it really well. Sometimes it helps your um, just your own body awareness if you can see it from outside of outside of your own two eyes right um see it from a third person perspective um and then i like um i like in the off season 
sometime and maybe even during the season show show examples of other players, other players. um i know i know young guys want to see like see how clay thompson does it or see how kevin durant that's not always the best way to do it right um go go show somebody um you know kenneth farid attacking the attacking the offensive glass um i i'm partial to to um Daniel House, I had Daniel House a little bit in RGV. I love showing him uh, how his his point five, like running through the catch, um, showing him different guys finishing right. Like, see how um, doesn't really matter. Pick anybody. See Dorian Finney Smith. He might be uh, a good finisher that you could show a couple clips to, right? So. Um, finding little examples, keep them short, just two or three clips of see how this guy does it. See how that guy does it. Um, if you can give them access to synergy, right. Or, or whatever else, like teaching your players how to watch film so they can watch it on their own. That's important. Right. Um, but it's, it's 2020. We've got technology on technology on technology, (laughs) right? Like you can just put an iPad on a tripod or lean it up against the, the wall or a shoe or something and get your workout right. Um, I think that's there's there's nothing wrong with uh, with videoing all of it. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to video it for your own benefit and for a teaching tool. It's another thing to to video it to throw it on the gram and <laughs> tell everybody you're grinding, right? <laughs> but um, doing but I, I I just think film is film is too accessible now um, yeah. to to not be utilizing it. Um, and maybe the biggest reason it has the value it has, um, is we only have so many reps in our body before they start to become detrimental, right? Before it's time to recover, get ready for the next game. You do not have, uh, the same issue with watching film. It's not going to, you can, you can rest your joints and watch film, right? You can, uh, recover from an injury and watch film. You can uh, keep practice real short and watch film, right? Um, there's, it, it's, it's good in that way. Now we have to be conscious as coaches. Uh, if you're keeping them in long film sessions, that, that, um, that amount of time being mentally locked in does contribute to a mental fatigue and your mental fatigue and your physical fatigue are are connected so you got to be aware of that too but that's why i'm big on these dudes got short attention spans they can't go three minutes without checking twitter give them give them five minute film sessions instead of 40 minute film sessions right right Right. um that was kind of our rule in windy city last year was if it's going over 10 or 15 minutes it's too long Mm -hmm. really over 10 minutes is too long in my opinion um you know, if you can have a screen on the court where instead of going into a film room to watch film, yeah. just, hey, everybody come over, just stand around here, watch four clips, and then we're back at it, right? Yeah. Um, but you, you got to use it. It's got to be part of what you do. Um, and for coaches who want to make it in this business, you got to know film. Like, you, you got to know how to use it. It's it's a no-brainer. Um, and and for, for people out there, for players out there listening, like, these NBA guys watch a ton of basketball. Yeah. Might just be watching every NBA game that's on that night. It might be getting on synergy and saying, Hey, I wish I had a dope step back 
uh, I'm going to go watch Luka Doncic and James Harden step backs for forever, right? And yeah. I'm not saying high school or college players go do that. I'm not saying that. Uh, baby steps, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but that's how you get better is, oh, man, look how – Chris Paul is so great with that with his hostage, man. Like, watch a ton of him, a, a ton of uh, plays of of uh, Chris Paul and pick and roll. You can pick up, man. Look how good he is with his his pocket pass, or look where he puts these lobs, stuff like that. Right? Um, if if you're not consuming it at a high level, you may not may not be on the level of these guys. You know, these guys live, eat, breathe, and consume basketball. That's why they're at the level they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this film, and this is something I want coaches and players to understand, with this film, when you're watching and you're doing this from an individual standpoint, a lot of times what you break down in film is going to go back into what Coach mentioned earlier was your purpose. That purpose is going to go with your plan, and then your plan, of course, is going to go into your play. So when you're when you are watching film, when you're breaking down film, um, we gotta watch with a reason. We don't want to just go in and, and start talking about you know the highlights and things that 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 don't go with what you want to do with that player and what you want to do within the uh, within that offense or what it is that you're trying to do as a as a as a team. So everything kind of ties in together. Coach gave some great information from everything from his philosophy and what skill development is to how to use film. Um, film, you know, ties right back into your purpose and goes into your plan. So I'm going to assume that if you're watching film with a particular player, you see two or three, um, let's say one or two skills you want them to improve on. You're going to incorporate that into a plan um to help them when you have a chance to work and 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 guys want everybody to understand it's different when you're talking about nba and g league players and working with them they have travel days and they have all these different things they have to do so the coaches have to be really careful with how much they put on their players and he's mentioned that a couple of times so it's not going to be we play on tuesday night we travel wednesday we play thursday Coach is not going to put a player through a 45 minute to an hour workout session <laughs> on Wednesday. Um, they might have a light little walkthrough. They might do something Wednesday or they might come in early Thursday and do something for 10 to 15 minutes going back to what he showed them on that, on that game tape. Um, so you got to be very strategic. got to understand what you're doing. It's not, I'm just going to go out here. Hey, let's get up four or 500 shots. Let's, run through these things really hard. So everything has a purpose and, and that purpose goes with that plan. Um, so coach, man, I got a lot of notes. I'm sure people listening took a lot of notes and share a lot of information. Um, feel free to share any other information you want to share real quick before you go. And then of course, let everybody know how they can follow you and find you on uh, social media. Yeah. So um, if you don't mind, I, I want to plug my website real quick. Um, oh, yeah, this yeah, is probably ahead. the easiest Easiest way to get a hold of me, it's BS Hoops Analytics. Yes. Uh, BSHoopsAnalytics.com. Uh, I've got a couple products. Um, I'm up to three three products right now that I built that are just kind of easy worksheets to use. Uh, one will calculate your four factors if you don't have uh, access to anal- basic analytics. 
One will calculate your play call efficiency if you're tracking play calls throughout the game. Uh, and the third one I just launched this week is defensive breakdowns. If you're charting uh, defensive breakdowns during the games, whether it's deflections or uh, missed box outs, maybe it's 50-50 balls, whatever the case may be, this sheet will help you as well. So you can find all that at bshoopsanalytics.com. Uh, my Twitter handles, I have two of them. One is, uh, at coach Ben Sanders. Uh, the one for my business is at BS hoop analytics. Um, and then my business Instagram is also, uh, BS hoops analytics. Um, you can, again, you can find all that on the website. My email is on the website as well. I'm, I'm welcome to, um, you know, anybody wants to shoot me an email, I'm, I'll respond. Um, uh, be at Ben Sanders at bshoopsanalytics.com. So uh, again, you can find it all on the website, bshoopsanalytics.com. Um, and I'm, again, I, I've, I've had guys reaching out all summer um, and it's been good to connect with new people and, and develop some relationships. Um, so happy to connect with anybody who, who wants to. Well, that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone that tuned in. I hope you found it valuable and informative. If you like today's show, please share on social media and tag me. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at NBNBball. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and please give me a five-star rating. Also, be sure to check out my book, The Skill Development Playbook. This book will help you understand how to get organized and know what real skill development is. It can be found on my website by visiting tjonesfirm.com forward slash sdp hyphen book. Paperback is $9.99. The PDF version is $3.95. And also going to be found on Amazon. Just search skill development playbook and it should pop up. It's $9.99 for the paperback or $3.99 for the Kindle version. Now, if you need to contact me for anything skill development related, I can be reached by email at info at tjonesfirm.com. That's info at tjonesfirm.com. Again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Until next time, thank you. God bless.